Welcome to Saki Mopar's episode number 104, Next Stop SEMA. This year has been really fun traveling around the country for a couple different events, one being in Las Vegas, Muscle Cars at the Strip, and the other being in Kentucky for Holly's Mo Party. But guess what? I'm going back to Vegas, and this time it's for SEMA. SEMA is a show I've been wanting to go to for years, and this year I finally get my chance. So we're going to talk about it here today, along with high-performance parts, some listener voicemails, and I'm also going to speak briefly on a little Mopar Horde and a project car that I really, really wanted to buy, and I may still have a chance at buying it, but I'm really on the fence. I know a lot of you guys are going to say, don't buy it, and I know a lot of you guys are going to say, go get that car. So we're going to talk about that a little bit right here on Talking Mopars. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. All right, my friends, before we talk about this little project car horde that I ran across, I do want to say thanks for being patient with me. As many of you know, in my personal life, I've had some stuff going on. My dog was diagnosed with cancer and she had an operation on her leg and it was not healing very well. And it was almost looking like she was going to lose her leg. In addition to the fact that we found out that this type of cancer is not very good if you get my drift. And you know, it's been really hard on my family. It's been hard on me because we love our dog. You know, she's an old English bulldog. Her name's Winifred. We call her Winnie. And it's just been really tough on the family, you know, really emotional because, you know, we don't want to put a dog down. You know, we want to help her fight this cancer. So thankfully, we got some better news today. And that was that her leg is starting to heal. So the infection is going away and we can start, you know, looking forward and getting her the right treatment to hopefully extend her life. But I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who reached out to me. <laughs> I've said this many times on this podcast because I have such great listeners and friends that I've made through this show. And a lot of you have reached out to me to find out how I'm doing, why I haven't been recording episodes lately and all that stuff. So I just wanted to say thank you for the support. And we're going to try to get this show back on the road. You know what I mean? We need to get this thing back on track. So that's what I'm trying to do here today. And I also haven't done a live stream in a long time. And that's partially because, you know, there was a, there was a pretty rocky moment there, you know, where I wasn't sure how I would, how I would do on a live stream, especially with everything that was going on, you know, not to mention the fact that my wife and kid got sick. And then I thought I was in the clear, but when I got back from Kentucky, I ended up getting sick as well. And here we are. So thankfully the family's not sick anymore and we're dealing with our dog, but all is well now. And we're going to, you know, keep, you know, getting after it because the show must go on. So with that being said, a couple weeks ago, I was informed by a good buddy of mine, Tony, that there was a lady whose husband had passed away and she was trying to basically liquidate his entire collection of Mopar stuff. And that included parts and cars. So Tony tells me about this little collection and sends me some pictures. And I see a couple 71, 72 Plymouth satellites. I see a 69 Dodge Dart sedan and a 76 uh, Volari Roadrunner um, and a bunch of parts. 
So, of course, and there were a couple other cars. You know, there was a uh, K car convertible and um, a late 60s Chrysler 300 convertible and a first gen Dodge um, Ram with a 12 valve Cummins in it. Um, so there was a couple. Oh, and a duster. So, like, I'm starting to think. Oh, and a early to mid 60s Dodge Dart. So there was a lot of a uh, lot of cars on this property, and I was interested in the 7172 satellites. So I go over to the property, and Tony had sent me a bunch of pictures. So I was able to kind of discern what this lady had. And a lot of it was, you know, it's not like she had a bunch of Hemis or, you know, 446 pack cars or, you know, anything too crazy laying around, but it was worth a look. So I go out there and she has this petty blue. I don't know if you guys can hear that. There's a train. <laughs> I live in a city with a train and I can hear the train in the background. Sorry, I apologize for that. But so she's got this 72 Plymouth satellite that's painted petty blue and it looks like an old drag car project. So it's got a roll cage in it and it's really stripped out. No engine, no transmission, but it does have the rear end in it. Um, it's got a huge hole cut in the hood for what I imagine was, you know, a high rise or tunnel ram. Um, but uh, it definitely had, oh, and some old faded race, uh, race stickers. So it looked like it was a, a decommissioned race car or a failed race car project. So I was really interested in going to see you know, what that car was about. And when I called her, she told me she only wanted $900 for it. So, I mean, go look in the market right now, folks. What are you going to get for $900 in the Mopar market? Not very much. So I really wasn't expecting much when I went to go look at this car, but I was, I really had my hopes up. So I go out there and we're taking a look at um, everything she's got. And the, the nicest car, in my opinion, was one that actually wasn't for sale. It was a 71 um, satellite Sebring. And it was green with a, a half white top on it, not vinyl. Um, excuse me, it was vinyl, uh, but green interior. So that one was in really good shape. I mean, for what it was, you know, as far as sitting around for so long, but her son was going to take that one. So that one was out of the picture. And then another 71 satellite that had a 340 in it that had been wrecked. Um, was also off the table because the son was going to take that and pull the 340, basically the whole drivetrain out of it, and then scrap the rest. So I'm looking at the Petty Blue 72, and I'm like, gosh, you know, it does have some rust issues, but the frame rails look solid. The cage probably isn't within spec, um, but, uh, you know, it's still cool. Um, it definitely needs some patchwork and one of the, uh, the driver door was, uh, the corner of the driver door was all, you know, rusted out and the rocker panel rusted the quarters. You could probably get away with just doing lower quarters on it, but, uh, it overall, it wasn't in that bad of shape, not for $900. Um, I, for me, it was just looking at the car and going, okay, do I really need another project like this? I know, I know if I had gotten the car, it was just going to be on the back burner for a long time. But I do have a big block, you know, the big block stroker, the 451 that was supposed to go in my dart. I ended up taking it home. Um, my friend, Norm, who is uh, my machinist buddy, um, sadly, <laughs> like my dog, he also got cancer. So, you know, screw cancer. Let me just say that. But um, he's retiring and selling all his equipment and stuff. So unfortunately, he never got around to finishing my engine. So now I have a 451 stroker. 
that's disassembled that I need to put together now. So I still need a crank and uh, a couple other odds and ends here and there. And then I'll have a 451 stroker with nothing to put it in because I really don't want to put it in the Mr. Norm truck because that's getting a modern Hemi. And the van is probably going to get uh, the Mr. Norm's, um, the Mr. Norm tribute trucks 360 after it's been uh, overhauled and uh, rebuilt. So that leaves me with a 451 stroker to either sell and not get my money out of or find something to put it in. So I was really looking at this satellite as a, as a future drag car project. And, you know, it does have some potential. It really does. It's a bare bones satellite, nothing special about it. The dash has been ripped out. It's just got the dash frame in it, no seats. Um, basically just a, just a, a shell with a roll cage. Um, it is a rolling shell. Uh, so for me, it's like, gosh, $900. I wonder if I could get it for a little cheaper. Cause you know me, I'm a cheap ass. <laughs> you know, I, I just didn't want a low baller at the time because I still, I really needed to think about this project. Many times in the past, I've gotten involved in trying to buy these projects when in reality, I, I shouldn't be buying any more projects. I have enough as it is, especially with the shit box boogie van <laughs> that I'm building. Um, which I really need to get cracking on because that is supposed to be outside and the Mr. Norm truck is supposed to be inside the garage. So I really need to get down there and get moving on that. But, you know, with traveling and then the sickness and then my dog, you know, <laughs> everything's been going crazy lately. So I'm just trying to get my wits back about me so that I can get back onto the horse and get this thing figured out. So in reality, I, I shouldn't be even looking at another project, but of course, you know, it's a, it's a Mopar horde. So you want to go check it out. So I look at the car and I determine, you know, I'm going to wait it out a little bit because one thing she did say was that she has two weeks to get rid of everything before her house goes on the market and whatever she doesn't get rid of, she's going to scrap. <laughs> That's right. She's going to scrap. So here I am in a predicament where I'm like, okay, I, I know that I don't want to see any of the cars get scrapped, really. You know, even the K car, I don't want to see that thing get scrapped. It's in really good shape. Um, but uh, like I said, I was there for the satellite. So I'm looking at the satellite. I'm also looking at the 71 that had been wrecked that the sun was going to take for the drivetrain. And I'm looking at the quarter panels and the door and the parts that I would need for the 72 to get the 72 straight. And, you know, it's <laughs> it's got what it needs. So here I am thinking, okay, maybe if I buy the blue one, the petty blue one that I'm looking at with the roll cage in it, and then the son takes the drivetrain and stuff out of the other one, then maybe, you know, cause he's going to scrap it when he's done with, uh, pulling all the parts that he wants off of it. So I'm like, maybe I can just buy the shell off of him and cut a bunch of metal off of it because it, it had hit like a, a giant elk. <laughs> so the, the front end was a little damaged, but the roof was badly caved in. Um, so that was my train of thought. So as I'm thinking about it, I, I'm looking at the rest of what she has on the property and she's got, you know, a couple small blocks, some slant sixes, just a lot of odds and ends stuff. Um, and a whole basement full of wheels, <laughs> like, um, a bunch of, uh, Mopar police steals and a couple Mopar rallies. There was a set of keystones that one of my friends bought and, um, she also had a, a couple little odds and ends from a 71 Roadrunner. She had the rally cluster, which I'm still interested in buying, even, <laughs> even though I don't have anything to put it in unless I got that satellite, which, you know, that's a different story. But she also had a, a lower valance from a 71 Roadrunner and then a steering column 
And I didn't, I didn't catch what the steering column was out of, but it did have a rim blow steering wheel. So there's a couple of things here and lots of miscellaneous trim pieces. And she just had a lot of stuff. And I felt bad because I, I'm just thinking to myself, gosh, there's no way she's going to be able to get rid of all this stuff in two weeks without scrapping anything. So I'm, I'm in a predicament, folks. I'm like, do I just suck it up and buy this satellite for $900, even though that money could go towards one of my other projects here? I could buy the mount kit I need for the Mr. Norm truck or, you know, there's just so much, so many odds and ends that I need for my projects that I already have that it was hard for me to justify spending almost $1,000 on getting the satellite. So that's the predicament I'm in but I do see potential in the car. That's the problem. And if I, if I could get it for like scrap price, like maybe if I pay her a hundred dollars over what the scrap would be, that would be a really good deal for me. And it would motivate me to buy it. Um, even though it's really not a bad deal right now, but like I said, I'm just thinking to myself, $900 could go a long way with some of my other projects. Um, so I'm really, I'm really at a crossroads here. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm leaning towards just let it go but I also don't want it to get scrapped. So I am going <laughs> to, I'm probably going to reach out to her and just say, Hey, you know, please don't scrap the car. I'll pay you a hundred dollars over scrap if that's what it comes to. So at least you'll get paid more than scrap. And at least, you know, although it'd be sitting on the back burner for a while, at least, you know, it'll be going into hopefully some good hands. I hope my hands are good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, that's pretty much the gist of that little story. Lots of spare parts. I really hope I can help her out. Um, and I already sent one of my buddies over there. He bought an engine and some wheels. So, you know, if any of you listening are in the Washington or in the Pacific Northwest and you're looking for some parts and maybe you want to see some pictures from this thing, um, shoot me an email, Chris at talkingmoparts.com and I'll, you know, do my best to let you know what she's got and I'll, I'll share some pictures with you. And if you're seriously interested, cause I don't want to send any wishy-washy, I'm wishy-washy enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to send her any wishy-washy people. So if you're serious, I'll definitely get you in contact with her. And, uh, she's a super sweet lady too. And she is not stupid. So if you think you're going to go there and, you know, swindle her out of some parts for, you know, nothing, uh, you're wrong. She is, she definitely is a car gal and she knows enough about cars to be dangerous. <laughs> so uh, when I got there, I realized really quickly that she was a car person and I was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to get the satellite for a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I want to be able to, you know, pay her a f what I think is a fair price, which if I had $900 laying around a bunch of extra room and no other projects, yeah, I would have given her $900, but she's really got to come down on that price to get me to go, okay, I have to have that car. You know, right now I don't necessarily have to have it, even though it's considered, you know, a relatively cheap price, but that's the story on that. Reach out to me, Chris at talkingmoparts.com. If you're interested in any of the parts that she may or may not have, I will say that the 76 Velari Roadrunner, it needs a, basically a, I would put a front clip on it. So some fenders, um, the hood looks all right, if I remember right, but it's complete, you know, it's a, it's got a center console in it. So it is an automatic, um, still has, the, it looks to be the original small block in it. Um, it's got some old slotted mags. It's got a nice little dent on the side of it that could be pulled out, but it's in the door and in the quarter. So that could be a little bit of an issue. The vinyl top is completely gone, but, and there's a lot of rat poop on the inside, but, um, that definitely looks like a fun little project to me. Um, she didn't have a price for that one, but I'm sure, you know, as you know, the, the clock ticks, I'm sure she's open to offers. The other car that she had that I thought was in really good shape was the 69 Dodge Dart sedan. That thing was in phenomenal condition for, you know, where it was sitting. 
Um, I managed to look underneath it and it does not look rotted at all. Still got a complete interior. So that might be a good project. Maybe throw a little small block in it or hell you could throw a big block in it, have a big block dart sedan. That'd be kind of cool. But, um, like I said, reach out to me. I might post the pictures on social media. Um, I just, I promised her I wouldn't send her anybody that was going to waste her time. So if you are serious, let me know, reach out to me, Chris at talkingmopars.com. All right, this is High Performance Parts, the segment of the show where I highlight a Mopar featured on the big screen, whether it be TVs, movies, et cetera, et cetera. So this tip for High Performance Parts actually came to me from one of my buddies, Jeff Bremer, when I was down at Muscle Cars at the Strip. He told me that he once owned a 70 Coronet that was actually used in a movie. He told me that the movie was called Dish Dogs and it has Luke Perry in it. And it's kind of a, it's kind of like a, a B movie, basically. But uh, it's a coming-of-age story about a teenager working at an extreme sports camp as a dishwasher and his relationship with the chef, who we come to find out was a skateboarding pioneer back in the day. Set at a fully operational extreme sports camp in Temecula, California called Point X Camp. That's the synopsis from IMDb. Um, Jeff told me that he owned a 1970 Coronet that was actually used in the movie. So I looked it up on IMCDB, and sure enough... A 1970 Dodge Coronet with a cool looking Hemi hood scoop was in this movie. Um, From the picture, it looks to be, it looks to be Hemi orange. I could be wrong, Um, but uh, I don't know how much it's actually featured in the movie, but it is definitely a 70 Coronet and it looks pretty damn cool if you ask me. So I'm not sure, you know, skateboarding is your thing. Maybe check out the movie Dish Dogs, but You know, it's always cool when a car that you own, not that I know, (laughs) but it's always cool when a car that you know or that somebody else has owned ends up on the big screen. You know, that's pretty cool. You know, if you want to call this the big screen, it's a a movie, but um, it's kind of like Johnny Mopar and his old charger that ended up becoming General Mayhem. How cool is that? You never know what's going to happen to these cars when you sell them. So, you know, I almost would prefer... Like if I sold a car, like if, you know, I sold my dart and I sold my little blue truck. If either one of those ended up on the big screen somewhere, even if it was a small bit part in a TV show or something, I think that would be rad. But, um, shout out to Jeff Bremer for giving me the tip on this movie and his old car. That was high performance parts. All right. It's time to get caught up on some listener voicemails. And of course, who do we have up first, but none other than our friend, Tad. Let's hear what Tad has to say. Hey, Chris, it's Tad here. Hey, uh, I just wanted to give you a call. I saw you had posted another episode. I think it was number 100, which I'm bummed that I missed. I swear, I I went on to set my notifications, so I knew when you were going to have podcasts, I think I missed it. But... For a good reason, I've been spending uh, a lot of time out working on the demon. Uh, got the engine in, had to take the engine back out because for some reason the transmission wouldn't slide in. So we had to pull it back 
30 foot muscle cars in the strip. Um, so I'm thinking about trying to get out there. I might bring my oldest son with me. But uh, anyway, man, uh, happy 100 episodes if you have met that. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll catch you here on the next show and uh, try and get on. Talk to you later, man. Right on, Tad. Thanks for sending in your voicemail. And once again, you followed it up with another voicemail on that same day. So we're going to go ahead and play that one right now as well. So let's hear Tad's second message. Hey, Chris. It's Tad. Hey, I was just listening to the podcast with Johnny uh, Mopar related to his headers. Um, I actually got a full exhaust system from TTI for my Super B. Um, I don't have headers, but... Um, I hooked them up right to the manifolds. Um, they all fit. The only problem I had, and they had packed it really well. I mean, this thing was, everything was wrapped. Everything was like, I don't know how this happened, but the end of one of the uh, tubes must have hit the ground at some point. It got just a tiny bend in it. And I swear to God, laying under my car with my nose like an inch away from the bottom of the car, trying to slide this exhaust in, everything went in perfect except for that one pipe and I had to sit there and bend it and bang on it. I think I used my feet to finally ram it in, but I know that pain that Johnny was going through. Um, he mentioned the idler arm as an example of something that didn't fit, and that's actually a problem I'm having on my passenger side. I'm not sure why, but I've tried like three different aftermarket idler arms, and I don't know if it's the idler arm or if it's the tie rod is. But the tie rod end is hitting the idler arm. I'm sorry. Because of the position of the idler arm, the tie rod end is hitting the torsion bar. And I cannot figure out why. I mean, I went back, I put the old one in, it fits well. I go to put the new one in, like I said, two or three different ones. And the damn thing is like hitting the, the torsion bar like it's an inch, probably a half an inch to an inch too high. So I don't know if the angle of the tie rod is, is, is wrong or what, but I still haven't fixed it. Um, anyway, I just thought I would share that story. I know that uh, the pain that Johnny's going through. <laughs> all right, man, talk to you later. First of all, let me just say, Tad, I'm really happy to see that the demon is coming along so quickly. I know you got the engine in there. That is awesome. I'm sorry I missed you at Muscle Cars at the Strip. I don't think you made it. That's a bummer. Maybe next time, maybe next year, we'll see you down at Muscle Cars at the Strip in Las Vegas. But um, (laughs) uh, as far as what you were saying about Johnny Mopar and his header debacle, for those of you that uh, aren't following Johnny Mopar on YouTube, you should definitely subscribe to his channel, Johnny Mopar on YouTube. Um, He had a video where he was trying to get the header in to uh, his charger and it's a TTI header and he was having a heck of a time getting that sucker in. Um, I don't see Johnny lose his cool very much, but he lost his cool on that video. Um, But he ended up getting it in there and uh, getting that all figured out, thankfully. Um, But, you know, it's not the first time I've ever heard about problems with header fitment and things like that. So I guess that's a problem that uh, many of us all can share and relate uh, relate to. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, thanks for sharing your story, Tad. I know that you're going through some issues with that Super B right now. Um, and that, that's tough, man. Uh, he's been sharing some stuff on the Facebook um, group for Super Bs and 
uh, coronets. And it's just, you know, it seems like one thing after another. I know he fired it up and the muffler blew out <laughs> and then he started hearing a little ticking and it ended up being like a push rod all bent. So sorry you're having so many problems, Tad, but keep trucking along, buddy. You're making an amazing amount of progress in both of the cars. Really looking forward to seeing them both on the road. All right. Thanks for sending in your messages. I've got a few more messages that I plan on playing on the next episode. So stay tuned for that. I'm planning on doing a, another regular episode this week. And also at the end of the week, I don't know if it's going to be on Friday, maybe Saturday night. I'd like to do a live stream. I'd like to get back on the horse on that. So look forward to the other messages on one of those podcasts. This year has been absolutely insane for me as far as traveling to events and getting the Mr. Norm truck out to shows and stuff like that. It has been an absolute blast. And I'm going to close out the year by going to a show that I've wanted to go to for years, well over a decade. And man, I'll tell you, it is really tough with COVID. I tried to go a couple years ago and it didn't work out. I wanted to go last year and then COVID completely shut SEMA down. This year they're putting on the show and I'm really excited to go no matter who shows up, how many people are there, how many less people are there. I don't care. I'm just happy that I finally have a platform that will get me into the show because for a long time, so SEMA is actually a trade show and you can only get in if you're in the automotive business and I don't work in the automotive business. I am now a media outlet and that has given me access to get into the show. So I'm super proud of that fact. Um, I didn't think I'd ever get in, to be honest, unless I owned an automotive company and I just didn't see that happening in my future. So Talking Mopars has given me the opportunity to go to SEMA and take part in the industry's craziest trade show. So here's a little background on SEMA. And this is, if you don't know what SEMA is, here's a little background on SEMA from their website. So this is about SEMA. A love for cars, trucks, and SUVs is the motivating force behind the Specialty Equipment Market Association, SEMA. This trade association consists of a diverse group of manufacturers, distributors, retailers, publishing companies, auto restorers, street rod builders, restylers, car clubs, race teams, and more. SEMA members make, buy, sell, and use all kinds of specialty parts and accessories to make vehicles more attractive, more unique, more convenient, faster, safer, more fun, and even like new again. The companies that founded SEMA, and the entire specialty parts and accessories industry for that matter, were started by people who loved cars and trucks and turned their hobby into a career. Most people in the industry today still feel this way. That's one of the things that makes SEMA and its members unique. Today, the organization performs many services for its members and for the hobby as a whole. Perhaps most importantly, SEMA works hard to protect consumers' rights to drive accessorized, customized, and vintage vehicles. SEMA keeps close tabs on legislators in Washington, D.C., and also in each state within the United States, so SEMA members and anyone who loves cars and trucks can protest pending legislation that might harm our hobby, as well as endorse legislation that's good for car lovers. SEMA also has helped numerous consumers interact with car dealers who sometimes try to get away with charging for repairs on a modified vehicle by claiming wrongly that specialty accessories have voided its warranty. Every year, SEMA also presents an enormous trade show in Las Vegas. This is where manufacturers unveil their latest offerings while buyers, distributors, and members of the press walk their feet off to see it all. Visit SEMAshow.com for more information. The variety is astonishing from restyling accessories and automotive organizers to engine parts, restoration supplies, street rod components, and safety enhancements. So that's SEMA in a nutshell. 
I'm super excited about closing out the year with SEMA. Like I said, it's a show I've been wanting to go to forever. I'm really excited to see what builds are going to show up. And I know that this year it isn't going to be as crazy as years past. So I've heard, you know, there's not going to be as many celebrities there. So I might not get as many interviews as I'd like to get. If I get any at all, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I, I definitely want to take the opportunity this year to network with other media outlets because, you know, networking is very powerful. And, you know, I like talking to other content creators. I think that's a lot of fun. So, you know, I'm going to be there from Tuesday till Saturday covering the entire event. And I'm definitely going to be there on Friday night to cover SEMA Ignited. And the cool thing about this year is that SEMA has opened the doors on Friday to the public. If you buy a ticket to SEMA Ignited, I believe you get a ticket inside the trade show itself on Friday, which I don't believe they've ever done before. So that's going to be a really cool opportunity for anybody like me a couple years ago that really couldn't get into SEMA because they weren't directly in the automotive industry. Now you can. So fly down on Thursday spend a fun day in Vegas. And then on Friday, go to the show and then take off on Sunday or take off on Saturday. Like me, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I'm going to be covering, I'm going to be covering as much as possible and hopefully getting some really good footage and some great content to share with all of you who can't make it out to Las Vegas. So feel free to count on me. I'll be down there having a good time. I'm just really looking forward to the show. And once again, I will see you in Las Vegas. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books, and it is good to be back. For everything you need to know about the podcast, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And if you'd like to send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, concerns, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind, you can reach me by email at Chris at TalkingMopars.com. Or you can leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR, and I will play your message on the show. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.